A few episodes ago, we looked at Fuesas Especialis Grupo Sombra. Or the Shadow Group Special Forces. In that episode of Narco 101, we delved into the inner workings of this really brutal gang of ferocious killers that unfortunately still operate according to the narco codes of the mid-2010s. Which basically means they operate with absolutely no codes of criminal ethics whatsoever. This makes them an interesting case study for the rather disturbing subject matter we shall be unpacking in this episode. The Zeta's Death Kitchens. Human kitchens, narco kitchens, death kitchens. All used to refer to hell on earth in a manner of speaking. The concept is quite simple. An extermination center for the cartel. A place which is usually a farm or ranch where pretty much anyone that happens to be on the wrong side of the cartel gets punished and eliminated from existence. Quite successfully I might add. Considering the fact that once someone goes through a death kitchen, they are obliterated from existence. No evidence, no body, no nothing. This idea came to prominence with the rise of the once mighty Zetas cartel. And the narco conflicts of the 2010s did not do much to help. I'm not entirely sure if death kitchens existed before this period, but one thing's for sure, the Zetas made them real popular. Death kitchens were used all through their various massacres over the years. The most infamous ones being the Allende and San Fernando massacres. Both with a combined body count of close to 500. In these cases, a similar concept was used. More makeshift in nature, but death kitchens nonetheless. In both scenarios, innocents were captured, beaten, tortured, the women raped and killed. Their bodies dismembered, soaked in highly flammable fuel and incinerated in drums. They basically kidnapped people, hijacked a nearby ranch, and peacefully conducted their night of terror. These are just the instances that the idea of death kitchens garnered some sort of attention. Most of what remained in the dark are far grim and scary. It's a constant war zone. Mm -hmm. You practice with live targets. The people we were using as targets were rival cartel members. 50, 60, sometimes over 100 people. Just like cattle for the slaughterhouse. There's a house. They throw them in there. They tell them, look, man, if you can make it out of here alive, we'll give you your freedom. Since former President Felipe Calderón started the so-called War on Drugs in 2006, more than 250,000 people have died. This conflict is characterized by shifting allegiances and an increasing number of violent breakaway narco-factions, and it is plagued by persistent claims that certain government officials in Mexico are closely linked to organized crime. Which if we're being honest, they're very much involved. Whenever one group goes under, five more, just as brutal, come up to take its place. There is no clear way that this mess is going to end. Even as of now, just a few weeks ago in August 2022, parts of Tijuana was under siege for days. Dealing with narco shenanigans. Please let me know in the comments if you'd like me to unpack what that whole Tijuana mess was about. According to Mexican government statistics, at least 60,000 people have been disappeared since 2006. That is basically people who might have ended up in death kitchens and their remains incinerated to oblivion. Only six cases of forced disappearances were determined to have been successfully found guilty by federal courts, according to a 2015 study by the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. State-sponsored disappearances, crimes committed by narco-organizations, or a combination of both, have been committed for a variety of reasons. 
Ranging from sex slavery, organ harvesting, forced labor, ransom demands, repression of journalists and political activists, and gender-based violence. On a ranch in Veracruz, which for at least five years would have been the property of the Zetas, thousands of human remains were unearthed in 2020. This property locally known as Lagayera is believed to have been a death kitchen for the Zetas for years. There is no telling how many people took their last breath in this peaceful-looking ranch. The violence, brutality, chaos, cries of the victims that must have graced its walls for many nights. The smell of burning human in the air. And fresh blood on the ground. Point is, looking at these pictures, the bloody handprints on the walls, the human remains and this bloody incinerator, I don't even want to imagine what horrors must have happened in this place. I don't have to spell this out for you. Bloody handprints only appear on walls if there is intense violence going on in the room. When someone who is not very keen on dying is being forced to die. And it takes an immense level of sadistic violence to create such a disturbing scene. The house that was constructed in the ranch's center has two floors and six rooms. The front is defined by two tile encased balconies. All of the rooms are painted pink, a hue typically found in young girls' or teenagers' bedrooms. This is not entirely in contrast to what transpired here. But perhaps it reveals a glimpse into the lives of the original owners of the property. Given the grim tale that later befell the once happy home. The owner of this property said that members of the Zetas kidnapped his relatives in 2011 and took his land in exchange for bringing them back alive. According to the accounts of the Mara Herrera family, this is how the Zetas came into possession of the property. There are four stages of people disappearance. And pretty much everyone is complicit. First is when they are kidnapped. Secondly, the moment in which their identity is taken away and their remains erased. This is done by the criminals. In this case, the cartels. Next in line is when the government refuses to recognize and investigate the disappearances. And lastly, is when society criminalizes and makes the victims invisible by blaming them for being somehow involved in narco business or being just as evil as their murderers. This is exactly how many of these cartels get away with disappearing thousands of people. Death kitchens as a concept are wildly successful because they accomplish pretty much every purpose intended. Once victims are brought to the property, they are tortured and punished. Depending on who they are, ransom demands are made. In some cases, they are tortured for information. And if they are from rival cartels, they are tortured on camera for fun. After all the torture stuff is out the way, the dead are dismembered, their bodies doused in flammable fuel and slowly incinerated in a customized oven or giant kiln. I'm assuming this is done at a nice leisurely pace. As all this is done, new recruits are made to watch or participate as a training session. Sometimes even the victims themselves are forced to participate with the promise of being given the privilege of joining the cartel. Something like this was done in the Ande massacre where captured victims were forced to fight each other to the death for the opportunity to join the Zetas cartel. After the incineration, tiny bone fragments that remain are buried in mass graves and microbes take care of the rest. It is just a matter of time before the victims are completely gone. This is why the peculiar phrase, people disappearance, is used. After passing through all this, you will be lucky if even just a tiny piece of you is found. We started this episode talking about the giant scumbags at Grupo Sombra. We have a video of them embracing a similar concept. It is rather a short video. Just under 45 seconds long, but I think it is worth mentioning because it goes to show that this kind of sadistic brutality is very much going on even today. That being said, let us get to painting. The video has what sounds like an official Grupo Sombra theme song.
This group is quite well known for having local cartel musicians that have released entire mixtapes and albums, with well-produced music praising the group or bragging about their violent exploits. The video is shot in portrait mode and shows what looks like a regular suburban neighborhood somewhere at the edge of town. The video is shot at night and since it has a theme song, there is no clear ambient sound. Natural ambient sounds usually help us have a clearer picture of what is going on. In this case, the whole thing just looks like a really bad music video. As the video progresses, the dude with the camera moves around, showing Grupo Sombra members. Most of whom are in all-black combat outfits and in some cases, ski masks. As the camera reaches each of them, they make gestures and hand signs to the camera. Basically, the usual gangsta shit. Most are sitting on the grassy ground with their guns in hand arresting close by. The others are eating what looks like potato chips or Cheetos. Just having a great time around a bonfire. Speaking of the bonfire, it is a black drum with what looks like makeshift vents. The black drum is at the center of the scene and has a ferocious fire burning out of it, properly lighting the scene. In the midst of the fire, there are two legs, with feet still attached, protruding out of the fire. The legs are shown from right above the knees and its feet are in the air. There is absolutely no way of telling anything about the victim, since at this point, the legs look stiff, cooked and crisp with black skin. The skin appears black from the roasting and shrinking. As the skin shrinks, yellowish-white meat is exposed. I'm guessing the rest of this poor dude, or lady, is in the drum. The victim is definitely dismembered. As you may be well aware, completely burning a full human is not really a walk in the park. For most of the video, the camera simply pans from one Grupo Sombra member to the next. As they make their gangsta hand gestures while eating snacks. I can't imagine the smell from the smoke in the air. Let alone casually having a snack as a dismembered dude burns in a trash fire just nearby. Point is, this is some really weird shit. Towards the end of the video, some dude comes into the shot and pours what looks like flammable fuel out of a plastic bottle into the fire. I'm guessing to make it burn more. The video then shows the pair of legs in the fire for a couple of seconds and it abruptly ends. That being said, there is not much documentation about the concept of death kitchens. I know they probably still exist and are thriving to this day among various cartels. Getting clear and accurate information of what really happens in these kitchens would have to come from the people who work in them or who participated in death kitchen activities. There is no way of having victim testimonies because, as we have established, no victims ever see the light of day. Thanks for being with me in this episode of Baggage Unclaimed. Please engage with the content. Subscribe, share and give a thumbs up. This goes a long way in helping us reach new audiences and those numbers help keep the lights on around here. I'm Otis. Your host.